before 1130. You are ready to go. You guys are the only ones who stood for that song all weekend. That's how I know you guys love the Lord. That's how I know, man. Hey, can we just thank our band one more time for leading us, Sam and everybody. Thank you guys. Man, I, I sit out every service because, man, just to, to have them lead us in worship, it gets my heart ready to preach. And if I can't preach after that song, I have a problem. And, uh, and it is just good. Something happens no matter what we're going through. When we give God praise, when we say, God, you are the God of revival. You are the God who redeems us. You are the God who saves us. That's who Jesus is. He is the one who never forsakes us, never leaves us. And that's why we're doing this series called Blueprints for a Rebuilding Year because 2021 is a rebuilding year, isn't it? We go, man, we had all sorts of different plans and now here we are rebuilding and restructuring and all sorts of things are taking place. But here's what we know. Uh, God even works ahead of us. Last weekend, like Kyle said, it was a bit of a mini revival seeing these 33 people get baptized. And, and a little bit of the background on these stories, man, we saw daughters baptizing moms and we saw fathers baptizing sons and married people get baptized together to say, God, not only are you gonna save us, God, you're gonna lead our family from now forward. And uh, this is just an incredible opportunity, a great season. If you're new, love that you're here. Uh, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through the book of Nehemiah over the next six weeks. So if you're not in a life group after the service, get out in the lobby, join a life group because God is at work over the next 40 days. We're going to dedicate studying through this book to see how God rebuilds his people, how he uses you and I. Not just to save us and rebuild us, but God is saying the church exists to rebuild the lives of those around them. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you know, we celebrate those 33 baptisms. I want to let you know, Northside, how you guys have helped the uh, people rebuilding the walls around uh, the world as well. Uh, we have three mission partners in Haiti. And uh, we know the devastation that's happened. If you guys don't know about the earthquakes that have been going on down there. Uh, Scott and Shelly Klink, longtime Northside members here. Their son, Dustin, who grew up in the church here, is actually a missionary down in Haiti. And where he's located is 30 miles away from where the earthquake hit. And we called him, we said, what do you need? He said, I'm going around right now and repairing the cisterns because we don't have clean water. And he goes, not only are people's lives in disarray and everything's broken down, we don't even have water to drink. And we said, how can we help you? We called other mission partners, Lifeline that we do food packing with. We called Go Ministries. They do work in Haiti and Dominican Republic and around. And we said, what can we do? And they said, here's how you can help. And Northside, I want to let you know, we celebrate those 33 people that gave their life to the Lord last weekend. But this week, you guys sent $85,000 worth of medical supplies and clean water supplies to those in need in Haiti this week. And so just thank you. You know, every year, every year in our outreach budget, we have a budget line in there just for disaster relief. We just, we just know things are going to happen in the world. And here's the call for you and I as the church. The church is always made to be on the front lines. The church is made to be those who step into the broken places, to those who are hurting, to those who are in need. And I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, I know our hearts are heavy with what's going on in the world. I've talked to a number of my military friends in our community and in the life of our church, and their hearts are heavy for what's going on. And I just want to take a moment right now. Uh, the, the last 20 years has been a heavy deal and, and for what's going on. And I, I just want to take a moment to recognize if you have served in Iraq or if, in, or if you served in Afghanistan or your, one of your immediate family has in the last 20 years, would you just stand up right now if you've served there, or if you've had somebody, I just want to say thank you, ma'am. 
Thank you guys for your service. We know this is a heavy deal and we just say thank you. We know this impacts the whole family. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's wild, kind of God's timing, something that uh, Tom Gilbert, our care pastor, and Tommy, one of our other care pastors, have been working on for months that starts actually tomorrow on Monday night uh, is a, a care ministry to help veterans and families who are processing just life of being a veteran. It's called Reboot, and it starts tomorrow night at 6.30, and it's for veterans. It's just a ministry to help walk alongside people and families who have gone through. It's absolutely free. It's here on campus at 6.30 tomorrow night. And just want to invite you. We just want to be a place that comes alongside and to say we carry each other's burdens here, and we walk with each other. And that's why we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah was found in a broken place. Uh, It's this little book kind of tucked away in the Old Testament, but the story of Nehemiah is this. He's a great Israelite man. The only thing is the Israelite nation has been in captivity in Babylon for 141 years. Now, some of us, when we do a rebuilding project around our house, right, we go, man, I was just going to redo the lawn. Boy, this is taking a whole lot longer than I thought, right? Now, a lot of our projects, they don't take 141 years. Matter of fact, that's why I don't even try to do plumbing in my house. I just have all the workers on speed dial, right? I'm just calling the plumber. I'm like, I'm not even going to try it because it's going to take longer than I think. And sometimes the hard part of rebuilding is it takes longer than we want. This is why we want to look at the the story and the life of Nehemiah because God did an incredible work. He rebuilt his life and the people of Israel, but he did it in an unusual way. And here's the good news for you and I, no matter what's broken in your life or what's broken in my life, God is saying, I want to rebuild your life through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That no matter what you go through, no matter what fears you carry, no matter what baggage you have, God is saying, I've committed to do a work of rebuilding in your life. Matter of fact, in the book of Nehemiah, he uses the word rebuild or rebuilding 15 times. That God used him, and here's the story of Nehemiah, God raised him up in captivity to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. That their walls were broken down so they weren't safe and they weren't secure. And what happens is this, Nehemiah, God raises him up. He goes back to rebuild the walls, but here's what he does. He uses the ragtag group of people there and they do something absolutely incredible. They rebuild the walls in 52 days. See, this is why it's so incredible for you and I to get a chance to be a part of Jesus's church. He's not asking you to have all of your life together. He's not asking you to be perfect. What he's saying is this, would you allow me to rebuild your life and would you open your life to being the church with one another for me to rebuild not just you, but our community in this world through the power of the church. And what's incredible is this, Nehemiah does an unbelievable thing, rebuilds the walls in Jerusalem in 52 days. There's opposition. People want to kill him. It's incredible. We're going to get into it. If you're a man's man, you're going to love the book of Nehemiah, man. They do heavy work. Their life is on the line. They sacrifice for each other. It is an incredible underdog story. But then what happens is Nehemiah completes the wall and he goes back to Babylon because he's in captivity. And he comes back a couple months later to check on the people to see how they're doing. And here's what he finds in chapter 13. What he finds is this. It says that the priest had continued to act unholy. And not only that, it says the people were working on the Sabbath, meaning this, they were trusting in profit more than they were trusting in God's provision for their life. And then it said they allowed their daughters just to marry whoever, meaning they just chased pleasure instead of the priority of God. 
And what he finds is this, the walls were rebuilt, but spiritually the walls were still torn down in God's people. And see, this is the problem that we wanna face today that God is rebuilding is this, here's what Nehemiah faced, is that they rebuilt the walls physically, but they did not rebuild the walls of their lives spiritually. And I'm telling you this, God is not just saying, I'm interested in changing you on the outside. He's saying, if you want to be changed on the outside, it starts on the inside. It starts on you and I allowing God to do a deep work in us, not just trying to perfect the exterior. Matter of fact, this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 about what Jesus is doing in our life today. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. One of Jesus' best friends, he has to remind the church of God's rebuilding work. And he says this. He says, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. He said, you also, like the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You need to know today, God is saying, I am committed to building you into a spiritual house. The things that are broken on the inside of you. The jealousy, the rage, the envy, the pride, the broken things, the addiction. He's going, I am committed to rebuilding you. And here's what I want to build you into. I want to build you into a holy priesthood, meaning this, people who belong to God. People whose hearts are set on God. And then he says this, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Meaning this, that you and I do a work inside our heart. Allow Jesus to change us on the inside. And then it flows from us out into the world. See, here's the problem. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. Here's the problem. If you and I only rebuild physically, but don't rebuild spiritually, here's what's going to happen in your life and my life. We're just going to become prideful. You see this in the life of the disciples. Jesus is raising up his 12 disciples, a ragtag group of guys, and here's what happens. They begin to say stuff like this. Hey, hey, Jesus, uh, there's some other people who are preaching you, but they're not a part of us. And then this is what they say. Do you want us to call fire down on them? Right, you're like, uh, that doesn't sound like the heart of Jesus. And this is what can happen. We can begin to go, God, we're the chosen ones. It's about us. And here's what happens. When you and I neglect what's going on in our hearts, it's real easy for us to become prideful. The other thing is this, if we only rebuild spiritually, but we don't allow God to rebuild us physically as well and the way that we live, here's what's gonna happen. We're just gonna become unhelpful to the world. We'll gather here, this is great. If you're online, love that you're online. If you're here 1130, praise God, love that you're here. But here's the thing, if all we think God rebuilding us is that we show up for church and it doesn't matter what we do out there, here's what you're gonna quickly find out is that you and I will be of no help to the world around us. See, God is wanting to do something deeper. He's saying this, I not only wanna rebuild you spiritually, I wanna rebuild you physically. And here's what we'll become when we allow God to work on the inside of us and the outside of us, you and I will become faithful men and women of God. See, God is saying, I want to rebuild every part of your life. I wanna rebuild the exterior, but I do it through the interior. Matter of fact, for the last year and a half, we've been walking through a setting the table initiative, initiative of generosity. We've been rebuilding parts of our building and making space for kids in the next generation. We're gonna talk about some updates about that, but here's the deal. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks because this is what we know. God is going, all of that stuff only happens, it only comes from what's going on on the inside. God is committed to building and rebuilding you and I into a spiritual house, but it starts on the inside. This is what we find when we open the book of Nehemiah. 
is that Nehemiah just didn't get a call from God to go rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and he grabbed his tool belt and just went and rebuilt it. What we find is this, God did something very different. And God wants to do a little bit something different in the life of you and me and the life of our church over the next 40 days. Here's what we found different about the life of Nehemiah. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, is that rebuilding calls for you and I to be open to what's broken. That when God rebuilds us, we have to be open to what's broken. See, things that want to be rebuilt in our life, we have to acknowledge that they're broken, don't we? Man, for God to rebuild your marriage, you know what you have to do? You have to admit that maybe there's some things in your marriage that are broken. For God to set you free from some addiction, what you have to do is you have to come to a place that says, God, I think there's some broken things in me that I need you to set free. God, I think there's some things that are broken. And what we find in the life of Nehemiah is this, the reason why God could do such a great rebuilding work in his life is he was simply open to what's broken. Listen how Nehemiah starts us in Nehemiah chapter one, verse two through four. And this is what he says. He says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence, but, and they, but they are in great trouble and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I've wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What you hear is this, Nehemiah was just open to what was broken. He's weeping over his homeland, Israel. The walls are broken down, lives are broken down. I got a question for you today. What does your heart break over today? I mean, what does your heart break over? Oftentimes, where God wants to rebuild in your life and where God wants to rebuild through your, your life is where you feel brokenness. And here's the good news. God does a good work in it. If you go and you ask anybody who has passion in their life, you go, why do you do that? You go, because I long to see this happen. If you go and you ask any of our staff, why do you hang out with everybody's kids on the weekends, right? Some of you parents, you're like, please take them. Please give me an hour, right? And you're going, and you're going man, why do you, why'd you dedicate your life to this? And if you talk to our staff, this is what it tells you. Like, because we long to see the next generation follow God. Man, we long to see kids' lives be brought back together. And not only that, the world has picked up on this. Y'all ever see that commercial where they show like the abused and abandoned cats and dogs, right? And then they go for the jugular and they put Sarah McLaughlin on, right? In the arms of an angel, you know, and the dog's just sitting there shaking, right? And, you know, and then, and then the voice comes on. It's like, do you have $7? Mike, I do actually have $7, right? Do you like seeing pets be abused? No, I don't like it. Then you should rescue one. Okay, right? You know, I don't even have pets, but this is what they know. If I can get you to be open to what's broken, you'll begin to take a step and rescue this. See, this is what happens in your life and in my life. When you and I are open to what's broken, things begin to change. And oftentimes this is what can happen in the life of Christianity. We can just go, God, I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to block out the rest of the world around me. 
I think one of the worst things we can do as Christians is to only focus on him and neglect the world. This is why Jesus said this, the greatest thing you and I can do is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love who? Your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus was saying in that moment is this, allow the broken things of this world to break your heart. Because what Jesus was saying in that moment is this, what's broken in this world breaks my heavenly father's heart. That's why I'm here. See, Jesus is the epitome. Jesus is the fulfillment of the work of Nehemiah. Jesus is the greatest one because he came to rebuild us by breaking himself open for what's broken in the world. And for you and I as followers of Jesus, our lives need to be open to that. That's why Nehemiah, he stops and he goes, God, man, I want to fast and I mourn and I pray and I stop and I'm allowing to acknowledge the brokenness. But he doesn't just stop there. Listen to what he says in verse 5. It says, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And this is what he says. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. But remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them. I will rebuild them there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. You know what? You know what Nehemiah does in this moment? He's not only open to the brokenness there in Jerusalem, what he's open to is this. He's open to his own brokenness. God, I just admit, and I confess to you my sins. And then he says this, and I confess to you the sins of my family. Now we're good telling everybody else about everybody else's sin, aren't we? Like, we were like, I just want to let you know that, you know, that's not a spiritual gift. I have the discernment to tell you what's wrong with you, right? You know, like, like, like that, that's not what the Lord's looking for. But what we see in Nehemiah is this, part of the rebuilding was not just that he was open to what was broken in the world. He was open to sharing with God what was broken within him. God, I confess to you today, this is what's broken in me. This is what's broken in my family. God, this is what's broken in my country. And God, here's what I remember, that you promised you would rebuild us no matter how far gone we are. Some for you today, you feel you are so long gone. For some of you watching online today, the reason why you're watching online is because you feel like if you walk into this building, the roof's gonna fall down on you. I'm serious, I've talked to people like that. And you need to know your heavenly father loves you. And he says this, I don't care how far you are, I will rebuild you through the power of Jesus no matter where you are. See, this is the good news that you and I get to give to the world. This is the good news that God has for us. And then this is how Nehemiah ends his prayer. He says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man because I was cupbearer to the king. What we find is this in this prayer, Nehemiah allows God to do a rebuilding work spiritually in his life to be 
broken before the Lord. And then he's saying this, now I'm going to go approach King Artaxerxes, king of the Babylonians who took the Israelites in captivity. And he's going to go ask him for permission to go rebuild the walls. See, when God wants to rebuild things, it always starts spiritually and then it leads to a physical rebuilding in our life. It's allowing God to do an inner work. Too many times this is what can happen is this. We are good at doing, but we're not very good at being. And this is what we find in the life of Jesus. Our being leads to our doing. Our delighting in God is what changes us. Our delighting in who he is changes us from the inside out. And what we find in the life of Nehemiah is this. His brokenness leads to boldness. His brokenness leads to boldness. Some of you in this room, you want to have a bold faith. You want to do great things for God. And God says, that's awesome. You want to know how the path of boldness comes? It comes from you and I starting by being broken before your heavenly father. Because here's what he wants to do. He wants to rebuild us into his image. He wants to give us his power. Nate, don't try to live in your power. I want you to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we find is this. Nehemiah was open to being broken. But here's how God also rebuilt him. And we're going to find all the things that God did through him and the life of the Israelites. But one of the things that they committed to, that Nehemiah was committed to, is this. Rebuilding calls for you and I to live a life of fervent prayer. That you and I would allow our lives. This is what it says of Nehemiah, that he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. Got a question for you. Do you pray as much as you plan for your life? Let me just tell you today, I'll be honest. I'm really good at planning my life. But sometimes I forget the key ingredient of taking time to just simply start with prayer. To say, God... What would you have for my life? I know what I would have for my life. I know what I want for my life. Turns out God has better plans and bigger plans than anything I can come up with in my life. This is what Nehemiah was committed to. The whole rebuilding started with fervent prayer. What we're inviting everybody in the Northside family to over the next 40 days, this series, you know, starting from tomorrow to October 1st, that Friday, it's 40 days. And what we're going to invite you to do with all of us as a church staff, I've invited everybody at every service to, if you're online, we're inviting everybody in the Northside family to be a part over the next 40 days to pray and fast together. Now, some of you are like, can't we just pray fast? No, all right? You're like, let, me just, let me just pray fast. Can, can I do that? And kind of, now here's what happens, and maybe you've never fasted before, and I'm not gonna ask you to not eat for the next 40 days, but what we see in the life of Nehemiah is this, God rebuilt him in a, in a phenomenal way, but he dedicated his life to praying and fasting. And, and I began just to even, I've taken this challenge myself. Uh, what, what I'm gonna fast from over the next 40 days, two things that God, I just, I just kind of ask God, God, what do you want me to fast from? And because here's why, when you fast, what you're saying is this, God, I'm going to go without, not to impress you, but God, I'm going to go without this. And so during that, whatever I'm giving up or whatever's going on would be a moment of prayer with you. Two things the Lord just kind of convicted me of. Nate, here's the two things I want you to fast from over the next 40 days. Sweets and social media. Help me, Jesus. And here's why. Here's why. Total transparency. Sometimes when I'm stressed, you know what I do? I eat, I eat, come home, long day, hard day, Frito scoops, they're from the Lord, 
right? You know, you just, I, mean, you just, I just lose my mind, right? And here's the thing, I'm eating and I'm not even thinking. And here's what I've just acknowledged in my own life is this, man, too many times, I'll just think about food and really what's going on, I'm stressed out, I'm freaking out about something, I'm overwhelmed about something and what I'm looking for is something, just numb the pain in me, delight in something. And what I wanna do, what I wanna really be mindful over the next 40 days is this, when those cravings come on, not just because I wanna eat something, nothing wrong with sweets, the thing is this, what's really wrong is this, is that I'm beginning to delight more in food than I am in the Lord. And what the Lord is telling me is this, Nate, here's what prayer is going to do. This is what happened in the life of Nehemiah. He just simply prayed and fast and he delighted in the Lord. This is what prayer and fasting does. It helps us to delight in the Lord. The other thing with social media for me is this. Social media is not always bad. It can be real bad too, but it's not always bad. But here's what happens with me in social media. You know, I'll come home from work, hang with the kids, eat dinner, put the kids to bed, and then what will happen is this. I'll just sit down and, you know, just flip open Twitter and I'll just start reading things and all this other stuff. And then here's what, you know, what you see is like an hour and a half has just gone by and really haven't learned anything and any of all this other stuff. And anybody ever get those screen notifications on Sunday morning from Apple? And you're like, oh boy, right? And someone's going, Nate, my life's too busy. I don't have time for prayer. And it's like, well, you got two hours for Candy Crush a week. I see that there, you know? And, you know, and you're like, and the Lord like does, just does like a holy conviction through that deal. And this is what I've just known about social media. Part of the thing is this, at night I'm just sitting there going, ah, and I'm going, man, what a perfect time to pray. And what a perfect time to pray with my wife. To ask how she's doing more. To be more available. See, over the next 40 days, what we're just saying is this, God, before you start doing a rebuilding work out there, God, would you do a rebuilding work in here? God, before we pick up a hammer and start doing all sorts of stuff, God, would you rebuild the walls inside of me? Nehemiah was open to being broken and he gave himself to fervent prayer. But then this is what I love that he did. Rebuilding calls for costly obedience. Costly obedience. He said, God, okay, I hear you. I'm weeping over this. I'm praying over this. And now I'm going to obey what you've called me to do. He says this. God, would you give me success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Talking about King Artaxerxes because he says this. I was cupbearer to the king. Now, here's the deal with cupbearer. The cupbearer was literally the person that would stand right next to the king, and the cupbearer would taste every food and every drink that was served to the king to make sure nobody poisoned the food and drink. Nehemiah's role, even though he was in captivity, even though he was a slave, his role was taste the finest filet and drink the best wine. And some of you are like, can I apply for that? You know, you're like, you're like, where's that job on Indeed, whatever. And here's the deal about Nehemiah. Nehemiah has this sweet job. Everybody else is suffering. Things are broken down. And what he could have done is this. Hey, y'all, go you fend for yourself. And you know what he does? He gives up some of his comforts for the call of God on his life. And he walks in costly obedience. See, the story of Nehemiah isn't because Nehemiah is such a great man and a powerful man. The story of Nehemiah is just a man who was open to being broken to the things that breaks God's heart. He gave himself to prayer and he walked in obedience. The good news is this. You and I get the opportunity over the next 40 days and Lord willing the next 40 years to do the same thing. 
to be people who say, God, my heart is open to what you have. And God, I'm going to give my life to prayer. I'm going to walk in obedience. And his whole life was all of that. Except here's what was so phenomenal about the life of Nehemiah. How God rebuilt in him and through him was this. He was willing to change his posture. It said this, when he heard the word about Jerusalem, he sat down and he wept. He allowed it to take him off his feet. He didn't avoid the pain. He sat down and acknowledged the pain. And then it said this, and then he went before the king. And you know how you go before the king? This is how, in that day, this is how you would go before the king, King Artaxerxes. This is what you would do. You would go before the king like this. You would bow down before the king. And what you would do is this. You would say, King Artaxerxes. And what you would do is you would bow down. And you wouldn't just bow down, but you would bow down and you would expose your neck before the king. And then this is what you would say. By doing this, you were saying God, or not to God, but you were saying before the king, my life is in your hands. That you could kill me right now. This is the most vulnerable point. And so when Nehemiah went before King Artaxerxes, what he was doing is this. He was changing his posture and he was saying, my life is in front of you. Would you today grant me the ability to go back and rebuild the walls? And what we find is this, the reason why Nehemiah was used in such a powerful way is this, he was willing to change his posture before God. And to say, God, I'm gonna delight in you before everybody else. God, I'm gonna make my life available to your hands. God, more than my career, more than anything else, more than the comforts of my life, God, my life is in your hands. See, this is why Jesus is even the greater Nehemiah. Because when he came, he changed his posture. The king of the world, the creator of the world. And not only did he change his posture, he didn't just take a knee. He laid down on his back on a cross so that the world could be rebuilt. My prayer for us today is that we would be people who wouldn't just have God change the exterior of our life, but we would have God change the interior of our life. Here in a moment, our band is gonna sing a little bit of that song, God of Revival. Before they do, here's what I wanna invite you to do. I wanna invite you to change your posture today with me. I wanna invite you right now, if you're physically able to, is just to take a knee, right in your row as you are, and to just make your neck available to God, to say, God, my life is in your hands. And so if you would right now, if you're physically able to, you can just take a knee right in your row. If you're physically not able to, here's what I want you to do. Just simply place your hands out before the Lord. See, God is a God of commitment. He's a God of rebuilding. He's a God who meets us right where we are in our broken places. And what happens is when we open our hearts and our lives to him, he rebuilds the broken things. Not just in us, but he sends us to rebuild the broken things in this world. And so right now, I just want to pray 
for us and over us. Father, we just ask and we pray over the next 40 days that, Lord, you would do a work that only you can do through the power of your spirit. Father, for the things that are broken in us, Father, for the pride that rests in us, for the fear, for the sin, for the addiction. Father, right now, we just bow before you. We put our lives before you. Father, we pray for our families, for what's broken in our family, for what's broken in our country. God, we ask for your healing power to rebuild the lives in our country. Father, for what's broken in the world, would you rebuild your world through the power of Jesus Christ? But right now, God, before we do anything else, before we go anywhere else, Father, we just stop to say, God, right now we are open, open to what you have for us, to where you want to rebuild, Father, in our lives, would you rebuild to where you want to lead us over the next 40 days, Father, would we follow you? And God, may we do this all because of your grace and your mercy today. Father, have your way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. And everybody said together, amen.